0: Hey guys, PK here. Thank you for being with me again, <laughs> whether you're walking your dog or cooking or chilling out at the gym or, you know, driving, whatever you're doing. But thank you for, you know, um, you know allowing me to to serve you in this way, allowing me into your life, um, you know, in, into your property space, so to speak. I'm, I'm hoping that this episode will be really, really insightful. We'll be talking about money tips that I wish I could have known when I was 25 years old. So what are the key money tips to my own 25-year-old self? And we'll talk about, you know, how I built wealth. And actually, this is a topic that doesn't really get discussed, how it actually didn't make me happy. So it's like super honest, authentic, and like I always say, raw advice for Australian property investors. You know, the truth is that, you You know, I did build and I still do have a, you know, 120K or thereabouts a little bit more now, um, passive income, an $8 million property portfolio, but it it does not, I'm no happier (laughs) than I used to be. So what would I do different? along the journey, if I could do it again. That is what we'll be talking about. And it's actually a podcast that I was um, featured on. The host is Damien Hoare from the Finance and Property Survival Guide podcast. So I was very grateful to be interviewed by him and I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to the Oz Property Investment Mastery Podcast. My name's PK and I help busy people build passive income by buying top 5% growth and cash flow property and build a portfolio using data without wasting months doing research, spending weekends at inspection or catching flights or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents every single time. So if you're confused, lack confidence and just overwhelmed with all the information and marketing misinformation available online and don't know where to start, Then this show is for you.
1: You might know him from a YouTube channel called the Australian Property Mastery with PK Gupta, um, among other things, like a Facebook group that's got over 20,000 followers um, that he's been running for quite a few years. He's a guy that I wanted to have on a while back. And, you know, I've been watching him from afar, doing really good content in the property industry and breaking things down in a way that's really super easy to understand. So without further ado, I've already said his name out loud, but PK, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Thanks.
0: Thanks so much for getting in touch, Damien. And yeah, it's it's really cool to, um, when you emailed me initially, I was like, you know, the way you put it was like, you want to do the podcast, of course, for your audience, but also just to learn yourself. And I thought that was really cool. And it's always an honor to be a part of people's journey.
1: No, I thank thank you for the time. I, I did obviously start this podcast because I wanted to learn more for myself. So I can try and learn how to invest and Figure out how property is like the way to grow your wealth over time, as well as just like being better with money. Um, And I just figured if I put these out and record them, hopefully other people will hear them and hopefully they'll get something out of them. So that's sort of, it's worked both, I think, in both ways. And I'm happy for that. But I wondered if you could give us a brief intro to anyone who might not be aware of who you are or what you do. Could you just give us a bit of the Cliffs notes of that, a bit of a background (laughs) of you?
0: Okay, uh, I'll try. I don't have like an elevator yeah. speech prepared or anything like that, but <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> um, I grew up in in New Zealand. I went to university at UQ in Queensland. Um, I graduated uh, into a field called investment banking. First grad role was in Sydney, then moved to London. You know, as you do, do the UK stint, came back, got married, um, had kid, or one one child, and being a profit investor like basically ever since i graduated university um so yeah that that's a and just out of finance world i love um, meditation mindfulness and just yes yeah, sounds a bit woo woo on these kinds of podcasts i get but i guess but i love spirituality in general mm.
1: I'll, I'll remind myself to ask for some book recommendations because i have a feeling you and i might have similar book likes then if that's the thing okay to, yeah let's um, do it but, but before we move on to some of the other questions, just about banking stuff, obviously, if you're doing investment banking at university, you're going to be interested in property investing or some sort of investing, you know what I mean? What, what, what put you on that? Uh, what was the impetus for that? What, what sort of got you interested in investing in property?
0: It's a very good question. And it's a very materialistic answer because I w- I, we didn't grow up in a very well-off um, families. So I remember at, you uni- know, not even university, like at high school, I used to Google and Goog- <laughs> Google just started blowing up at that time, like best salaries, like, well, best jobs, highest wages, best salaries. And this thing called investment bank- banking kept coming up. And I was like, what's this thing? <laughs> and this was like when I was 13 and, you know, I figured it out. It was about stockbroking. It was about mergers and acquisitions, about talking with the top end of town in corporate And, you know, that seemed pretty cool to me, you know, like people have seen that movie Wall Street and stuff like that. Mm. Basically that. Right. And I was like, yeah, I I dig that. So I kind of had this laser vision to become an investment banker. That's what drove me to get good grades in high school, good grades and stuff like that in uni. And I became an investment banker. I used to work at JP Morgan. Um, And I think this is relevant because most people, when they talk or when they think about wealth creation, whatever that means, or just getting rich, quote unquote, they automatically think about stocks. It's like, oh, which stock should I buy? You know, BHP, Tesla, this and that. These days, it might be more about crypto. I'm not sure. Um, So I actually had no idea about property investing until I started becoming an investment banker. And I was like, even in the stock market, the people who are making money are not like you and me. The people who are making money are institutional investors who have, you know, I'm not saying they're insider trading, but they have inside knowledge. They have access to people, company executives, information that normal people don't. Those are the people making big bucks. And so I was like, well, this doesn't, like, how am I going to achieve this? Right. Like, I don't have access to that. I don't have enough money to start off with even if i get a 20% return let's say i put down $10,000 of hard earned money get a 20% return which is you know way above average in the stock market like i've only made $2,000 like you know like that nothing to laugh at but it's not life changing so then i was just kind of trying to broaden my horizon and that's where i came upon property investing which at the time seemed to be honest it seemed a little bit too good to be true, seemed a bit spooky, like you know, you can buy two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten properties. Like it was just one of those things that, you know, you hear about some people doing and it's like, oh, they were born into it, or they lucked out, or they took huge risks yeah. to get there. But then the more and more I thought about it and researched it and and talked to people, I was like, this is a legit alternative option to create wealth so that I don't have to work forever. That was really where it came
1: from. Mm. Do you think? It, you said that it sort of began from a bit of a materialistic uh, standpoint you getting into investing did that do you feel like that has changed and evolved in in the last couple of years or as as you've grown up?
0: I definitely think so, and not just with property. I think you know when we're young in our teens or early twenties you know we generally or tend to have this kind of vision for the future where we're not working as much. Um, you know, we have we're going lots of travelling, we're having parties, or we're having family around us. Different people are different, uh, and that's what we aspire to achieve. But I think, you know, I worked my way up the corporate ladder into um, you know executive roles in different companies like Virgin Australia and Deloitte and things like that, and. You know, we're on some good coin, and even in corporate, I was like, you know, I'm earning good money, but am I any happier than I was mm-hmm. when I was at uni? You know, like eating right. noodles. Um, I, I couldn't say yeah, that yeah. I was, and even now, like, you know, people can say, oh, look, that guy has 12 properties or this much passive income, all that sort. Of, but hand on heart, and this is very controversial. And I don't think enough people talk about it because it doesn't mm-hmm. sell. But hand on heart. I can tell you that I'm no more happier today than I was 10 years ago. Yes, I've achieved financial happiness, but you cannot confuse financial happiness with overall holistic, real happiness. You know, it's good. It's better than not having it, but it doesn't just equate to, you know, fairies and lollipops and fields and everything like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, Again, uh, we explained off air to the impetus for this show for me is I want to talk to as many people within this industry and get an idea of what advice they would go back and give their younger selves if they could, because it's interesting to me what pitfalls they may want to let their younger self uh, know to avoid along the way. So I wondered if you could go back to a 24, 25 year old PK, what advice would you give him about life? as well as about investing in business and anything else that sort of comes to mind? It's such a good question.
0: And I I haven't really prepared the answer, but two things instantaneously sort of come to mind. The first thing is a little bit more from the analytical side. It's don't invest your money, even if it's just $1, without fully understanding what you're investing in, which kind of goes without saying, but also understanding Mm -hmm. The opportunity cost, all the alternatives, right? So, like these days, people invest, and I'm not against investing in stocks or anything, but they invest through platforms like raise and you know, there's so many crypto options out there, and there's like a hundred mm-hmm. million things be- whereby you can grow your wealth, and they yeah. they just kind of find out about them using, um, you know, online. Someone's talked to them about it online, or a friend, or colleague, family member don't invest your money until you've actually assessed where else you could have put it in. Because I wasted, I could have actually bought property in university, um, but I instead put it in a managed fund. And that managed fund made me like almost no money. But at the time I was like, oh yeah, rich people, like they put money in managed funds, right? And if I do this young enough and as, you know, hard enough, then I'm, you know, I'm going to do well. Mm. But if I had just leaned over to property at that age, I would have been so much better off now. And so just to kind of expand on that a little bit more, it's like, even if you have found your investment vehicle, try to learn to do it yourself because no one cares about your money as much as you do. That's what Mm. I have learned (laughs) the hard way. And even if they come across like as super nice people and they have their heart in the right place, Sometimes their business model means that they cannot actually get you the best result. I'm not against anyone and I don't mean to um, down anyone, but, you know, let's say the buyer's agent business model and not all buyer's agents are like, there's very, very good buyer's agents there as well. But let's say you have, you know, 50 clients in your waiting list because the property market's booming and, you know, you've got huge demand because you do a lot of marketing, Mm. Right you're going to want to go through clients and get them properties really quick with as little fuss as possible so that you can, you know, go to the next client who's waiting, go to them. You're getting paid per transaction. Now, just that business model is fantastic, but also has its limitations. So the reason I bring that up is people need to understand, you know, what they are doing themselves. And if you do understand it sufficiently, then you can outsource it because then you know what to look for, who to look for, but don't outsource the accountability at all. So I think that that's the kind of analytical answer of the advice that I would give myself um, back at age 25. And the more kind of, um, I would say less analytical answer would be just chill. Like you're still very young. Um, You know, everyone has aspirations of, you know becoming financially independent whatever that means and you know stuff like that but you're very young if you just do the work if you you know be diligent if you you know are focused you don't need to stress okay do the work but try not to stress out because you can only achieve what you can achieve by doing the best you can anyway you know so i think back when i was 25 i put too much pressure on myself to have achieved a certain goal by the time I was 30, whether it's a passive income goal yeah. or a um, number of properties goal, or even like a life goal, like getting married or having a kid or having a house or this, I think just chill, but don't chill so much that you're not even getting out of the bed in the morning. Do the work, but do it in an yeah. equipoised, um, you know, self-reflective, sustainable way.
1: Just, Just a question off of that, PK. Do you feel like in your 20s, you had timelines associated with certain goals in your life. And if you didn't meet those, it sort of had an impact on maybe your mental health. Because what you just said hits me very hard right now, because I'm in that spot where I've got some investing goals that I'm really close to getting that I wanted to get by a certain age. And it's getting close. And yeah, that hit me really hard. (laughs) That's crazy. I just think, you yeah. know,
0: like um I saw this video like ages ago and it, it was going on about how there's so many people who are successful who actually started when they were above the age of 40. You know, I, I think the sort of stereotypical example is like Harrison Ford, you know, the actor, he's you know super successful. Right. He was like a carpenter or something like that when he was 40. And, you know, then he went into Hollywood and all that sort of stuff. So like it's important to have goals because Goals are potent. You know, there's a potency in having a goal and writing it down. But you know, your life doesn't end at 30. Your life doesn't end at 35. Your life doesn't end at 40. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I think the the thing is to enjoy the journey as much as the the achievement of the goal. Because I can tell you, like I've I've achieved many goals, but like I was saying before it's not like I was happier all of a sudden that I achieved 10 properties. Like, to be honest, it was just a vanity metric. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so enjoy yeah. the journey. If you enjoy the process, the the journey, then you'll get enjoyment out of the goal. Otherwise, even when you get to the goal, you'll already be thinking about the next goal and you won't enjoy the present.
1: Yeah, I something I hear a lot doing these podcasts and and I'll hear from people if I like meet for coffee with some of these guys in person too is make sure you stop and smell the roses because it seems like a lot of people in this industry don't and then really regret it in their 50s that they never stopped and have reflected on what they've achieved in their life as, as consistently as maybe they wish they had. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, totally. My wife tells me that. All the time, yeah. This, just this last financial year, FY22, that finished in June end, um, we kind of did, you know, you do your accounting and stuff like that, and we found out that, um, you know, my clients had bought 270 properties in in those 365 days. So I was like, yeah, that's so awesome. I was telling my wife next year, we're, you know, we're gonna uh, we're gonna help our clients achieve even more, and we st- yeah, I started planning, yeah, yeah. and she was like, just just chill, like celebrate yeah. what you've achieved because. Did you ever think that you would help that many people five years ago? And I was like, no way. Like, I didn't even know that people would trust me at all, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, you, you just got to be in the present.
1: Yeah. Give yourself a pat on the back every now and then, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, another question I had was, was about investing, I guess. And I, I got started at investing and uh, gained a bit of uh, an interest in it. When COVID hit, because I was broke, I was I was a tour guide in Canada, uh, and I flew back home uh, for my friend's wedding uh, on the second of March, 2020, and then the whole world started falling apart shortly after that, and I couldn't go back to Canada, and I had like 200 <clears throat> or 500 dollars in my bank account, and the only reason I was able to sort of stay afloat was because of my parents le- giving me a place to crash while I found a job in that, and it it, it put me on this journey and. I wondered what advice I guess or what reasons do you think young people should think about for why it, it would be a good time to at least start to learn about investing it's not to say put all of your money into investments and don't have a nice social life and don't enjoy your life too but what what reasons do you think young people should consider for getting invested sooner rather than later
0: Oh such a such a good question and um like obviously everyone sort of knows that the sooner you start due to the compounding effect of building wealth, you know, the more exponential your wealth will (laughs) compound or or gain over the long term. Like everyone, I think intuitively intrinsically understands that. Um, But what sort of jolted me and jolts a lot of people are just cold, hard statistics. And I shared this the other day, actually, but it's really interesting. This is um, from industry super research. And they were saying that if you're a couple, and by the time you're 65, you want to obviously retire as a couple. And assuming you have your own home completely paid off, you need to have $1 million in the bank account, like cold, hard cash, liquid cash, Mm to be able to spend $80,000 or live off $80,000 per year. So you not only need a million dollars in the bank, you also need your own home completely paid off. And then that is going to give you the ability to spend $80,000 per year as a couple, not not as a single, right? So like when you hear a statistic like that, it's like, all right, you know, everyone kind of just, Assumes finances will take care of themselves, especially as you yeah, grow yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. It'll, I, I, it'll I was guilty. Fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I was guilty of that. I was like, yeah, someday I'm going to become well off. Like it'll just happen. Right. Like something like that. But it's like, okay, well, like how on earth am I going to have a completely paid off home and a million bucks in the bank so that I can live the lifestyle I want to live? And remember, $80,000, that's per couple. So it's only 40000 per person. So like when you hear statistics like that, hopefully they don't depress you, like they don't depress us, but rather they impress us and they impress upon us the need to start as soon as possible. Because if you're starting when you're, even though I just said the Harrison Ford thing, but even if you're starting, if you're starting at 40 or 50, like you're kind of Mm -hmm. leaving it a bit late. For
1: sure. And keep in mind, like Harrison Ford, what did he do? He got Star Wars. He got Blade Runner, uh, he got a little bit of cash <laughs> late. Do you know what I mean? Like he got a good little chunk of change to get started to sort out his finances, I'm sure. Yeah, um, yeah. maybe not funny. the best example. Yeah, there's a hockey stick. <laughs> no, no, I get you. I 100%. Yeah, 100%. That's funny. I, last question I got for you before we get out of here, you spoke about the, the mindfulness stuff that, and the spirituality stuff, and you're, you're right. It's not something that's talked about much in this industry. Um, I've noticed that over the last year and a half or so that I've been within it. What if people were wanting to learn about that side of things, mindfulness or mindset strategy and things of that nature, what books might you want to point someone in the direction of? And this is more so for my interest. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, totally, totally. Totally. I mean, the, there's actually there's so much information about this. I think what puts people off, especially those people who are a little bit like me and a little bit more analytical and you know mm-hmm. money savvy, or we want to become um, literate in finances. And you start talking about mindfulness and meditation, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, like whatever. I'll get to that when I get to it. I got more pressing matters. Yeah. But what I like about these following two authors and and speakers is that they make things so practical. And if you actually adopt what they're saying if you actually kind of take it you put it in your pocket and you apply it in your daily life not only does that improve your own level of consciousness your own level of self-worth but those two things then manifest into a high level of wealth i, I know that you know mm. trust me i know that sounds wishy-washy but you know yeah. your mind is everything your mind is all that you have from a material p- perspective and i always say like the most important real estate is the six inches between your two ears. So, don't just marinate that in, you know, money matters. But marinate that more holistically. Build that muscle, just like if you go to the gym, and that muscle will then build you. So the two people that I find to be most practical, the first one is Jay Shetty. He's got a pretty terrific book called Think Like a Monk. Uh, I used to actually play football with him when I was in London. So he's a really really humble guy. He was a humble guy back then. He still is a humble guy. Um, even now. And the second one is Deepak Chopra. And he's got many, many books, and they're all really good. But what I really like about Deepak Chopra, he's kind of like a celeb now, he's going on Oprah and stuff like that. But he he kind of builds the bridge between science and spirituality and, and talks about you know quantum physics. He, he kind of makes it more believable for people like me who want to see evidence that, okay, if I'm going to spend 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, half an hour a day doing mindfulness, doing meditation, I need to see some proof that it's actually going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the two authors that I'd, I'd recommend, Damien. recommend, Well, thank you for listening to that episode. You know, Damien's a great guy. It was, you know, hopefully what I said resonated with you and brought you some value. Uh, thank you for being with me again. And if you want, you can leave me a review, a rating on iTunes or Spotify. You know, it always helps. Our episode, or rather our podcast now, is in the top 30 in business investing in australia so you know that's out of hundreds of episodes so each and every rating review really matters really counts and i appreciate every single one of you even if you don't leave a, a review i'm still very grateful for you uh, for lending me your ears see you next time guys. bye